I appreciate you bearing with me, and I hope that you've enjoyed not the preaching, but maybe the messages that's been preached. And uh, I encourage you to keep studying. There's a lot more of them. I've got a page full of them if you want some stuff to study. But there are a lot of biblical absolutes, the things that no matter what the world says, the news says, or what the, the, the economy, or what our government, or what teachers, or even what preachers may say is going to come and go, there's some absolutes in the Bible that, that uh, are absolute. They've been there since the beginning. They'll be there at the end. And I encourage you to maybe to do a study if that interested you and you want to know some more about it. We could, I can share some stuff with you, but it's uh, just good to have some absolutes. I'm thankful God's promises. They, uh, they'll never change, and I'm thankful God's Word will never change. We covered that this past Sunday. I'm thankful for the absolutes that almost will never be enough, dealing with salvation and with uh, saying you're sorry and also with total surrenderance, but there's a lot more in the scriptures. But tonight, kind of uh, not really our last service together. I hope it's not our last service together. If it is, I don't know about it. I know we're, we're uh, I'm, uh, either way, but I, I know that, that as far as the, where we are this fall, I've enjoyed the time being able to be with you and study our Bibles together. And I appreciate you all the kind words and whether you've been lying or whether you've been telling the truth. Uh, don't tell me the truth tonight if you've been lying, but I appreciate you the kind words and, and the study and the eagerness. But I appreciate our pastor uh, entrusting us. I appreciate Brother Evan being uh, behind me. The choir's been on point every single time. And uh, so, Brother Brad, why did Brother Evan get to lead? Well, he lives with a pianist. So if anybody else is going to lead us, they ought to have the harmony to get it together. No, I'm just kidding. I appreciate Brother Evan helping and being there uh, for me as well. And as uh, a big, big blessing. So Galatians chapter number two, we're going to read one verse tonight. If you've got Galatians open, more than likely, you may have read through this and had the whole chapter highlighted. But if you've got one verse highlighted, I would bet I would uh, almost put money that it is verse number 20. Galatians 2 and 20 is probably, is arguably the most uh, famous verse in this chapter, and you may have another one that you like, like better, but um, the uh, looking up, just looking down, I see something about uh, verse number 18 through verse number 19 talks about the law has already been executed. Maybe you, maybe you like the law better than grace, but I do not. But Galatians 2 and 20 is highlighted a bunch of different colors in my Bible, and there's a phrase in the midst of this that I want to encourage you with tonight, and that's what I want to be is an encouragement, but also just to remind you of some things because uh, the world gives us enough, young people and teenagers, listen tonight, and I'll be quick. But I and other people listen as well. Uh, but I, I think about the world. I mean, there's enough that that pull us down in the world. Uh, we, we come to church and sometimes we have correction, sometimes we have instruction, sometimes we have uplifting, sometimes we have encouragement. We need all of it. We need chastising. Uh, but Gammon says sometimes somebody needs to come to church and just wear our hind ends out. We need that as well, Brother Harold. But tonight, I want to be a help to you and I want to be an encouragement to you. Maybe it's something that you struggle with and that I struggle with, but maybe just a, a fresh reminder of this tonight and maybe it'll give you a, a better Thursday morning tomorrow. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20. The Bible says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now there's a lot in that verse, Brother John, that is good to preach. There's a lot. I mean, think about you know, the opening line, if you take it out of context, isn't so good, too good. I'm crucified with Christ. If we stopped right there, I'm thinking, that's not too good. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm signing up for. But if you go through that, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We know we've been taught and preached about dying to self and Christ being the life in you. But that next phrase that follows that, after Christ liveth in us, which is speaking of salvation, you can only say the, the latter part of this verse, if Christ lives in you. It says, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live 
by faith of the Son of God. That little word now, N-O-W, is what I want you to underline tonight. And I want to preach just for a second on this thought, then and now. So, Brother Brandon, what does then and now mean? There's some candies. I think there's some candies made somewhere that says, what's the candy name? Now and then? Is that backwards? Or then and nows? Or now and later. That's something like that. And uh, I don't ever eat them, but I know there was a candy. And that's not where I got this title, but it's what came to my mind when I just said that. But then and now. The Bible says the life that I now live, which gives us the understanding that there was a life lived before now. If I were to ask you, and I'm scared to ask this because I'm afraid it's going to tell our, our true uh, intelligence, but if I were anybody under the age of 20, so if you're under the age of 20, raise your hand. If you don't know how old you are, you can raise your hand right now too. I knew Brother Lynn Johnson would raise his hand. All right? Anybody under the age of 20, can any of you tell me what Thomas Edison invented? Anybody? Man, y'all are good. Y'all must, y'all must go somewhere besides Forbush. No, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, a lot of you, that's exactly right. Thomas Edison created the light bulb. You've been listening in class. But did you know Thomas Edison may have, and I, I copied this because I didn't want to mess it up, he may just hold the record. Now, obviously, we have plenty of his inventions in here. They're everywhere. Everywhere we have light, we think about Thomas Edison. Though it's been involved in GE and everyone has made it much greater, he made that first light bulb. Well, George, this arguably that Edison may hold the record for the most failed attempts before re reaching success on a single project, having failed several thousand times before inventing a functional light bulb. His response has become famous to most entrepreneurs. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. That was his response. And he had, an out, he had, a, he had a glass half full kind of outlook. Nikki, y'all listen. A glass half full outlook. Why did he have that? Well, because he said, I've not failed. He said, I can guarantee you that this way will not work. In other words, he did not let his past, he did not let the then affect his now in his life. It's a proven fact, Brother Evan, I thought about this today. It's a proven fact that you will never succeed in the now unless you first conquer the past. So many of us, we can't get anywhere in life, and I'm going somewhere quickly, but we can't advance in life, or we don't see ourselves succeeding in life. We wonder, why, how in the world does this person have so much self-esteem, or how in the world does this person conquer so much? How are they at the level that they are at, whether it be in spiritual, whether it be on a stage, whether it be in work or whatever, somewhere in their life, they've stopped letting the then affect the now. We can't do that without conquering our past. I also thought about this by way of introduction, your past doesn't define you, your past doesn't define your future rather, but it rather, it helps shape it. Now, a lot of us, we don't want to go say, with well, the band, I want a testimony that I've, I go through the worst part of my life, so I come out, I look like a better Christian. That's not what I'm preaching on tonight. But can I tell you, everything in my life, both good and both bad, and though God has forgiven me for the bad, and we'll look at that shortly in a moment, but it has helped mold me and make me to who I am. Now, many times you say, well, you'll hear a parent say, don't make the same mistakes that I did. How many of you ever heard that before? Miss Allison, they say, don't make the same mistakes that I did or don't make your mistakes. And you'll see some people say, well, let them make mistakes. Well, obviously, we want our children and our grandchildren and everyone that we're in contact with not to make the same mistakes that we did. But if you look back in your life, though it may have been bumpy and though it may have been smart and though it may not have been perfect, it's got you to where you are in your life. And I'm thankful for the now that we now live. We all have a then. 
Can I tell you, say, Brother Brandon, some of us are different. This is where we differ, and I'll tell you which one I am, and we'll launch into this verse and go home shortly. But I thought about Brother Age, and we all have a then, a time in our life to where we were not in the now, a time in our life to where we didn't say, as the author says here, in the life that I now live. We hadn't always lived in the now. Some of us was before salvation. Some of you were saved later in life, and everything that's happened in your life, maybe before salvation, it may have been wicked, it may have been sinful, it may have been not bad at all, but regardless, some of you have a then before salvation, and we'll look at that in just a moment. Some of us, including myself, we have a then after salvation. See, I was saved, Nikki, at eight years old, and so outside of doing something wrong to my brother or doing something or mouthing off to my parents or not obeying something like that, there was not a lot of criminal activity at seven and under in my life. But after I got saved, there were some times in my life, especially in my older teenage years that I have told about and been transparent about here and also to them to try to help them in their life, that I had a then, some moments that, Brother Harold, I'm not so proud of in my life. All of us have something in our lives. Say, Brother Brandon, I've never done anything wrong. I've never thought a bad thought. I've never had anything wicked happen in my life. I've always been faithful. I've always loved church. I've never done anything wrong. Well, bless your heart. Because most of us, and to be honest, all of us have some point in our life that if we're not careful, the devil and ourself, not just the devil, but ourself, will flood our minds back to the herald and it'll hinder us from living for God in the now. The author says the life that I now live. Let me give you a biblical example. You can stay there in Galatians if you so choose. But probably one of the best, but having the biblical examples and biblical proofs of this, and we've been trying to prove facts these past few weeks together, is found in Exodus chapter number 16. Biblical examples, Brother Josh, of misleading memories. You could have titled this tonight instead of then and now. You could have titled it Misleading Memories. Maybe if you so choose to tonight in your notes. But thinking about misleading memories, oftentimes we'll begin to think back at times in our life. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to envy those times. And we'll begin young people to think about, and maybe it's in times in other people's lives. Someone's life you see, and man, you say, but the brand and everything's perfect in their life. Everything is in order in their life, and we'll allow it to give us misleading thoughts in our life. Exodus chapter number 16, we are just two chapters past the, the Red Sea experience in our scriptures. And you know the text, verse number 3 of Exodus 16, The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat and bread to the full, uh, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So they're, they're hungry, as we say here in East Bend, they're hangry. They're beginning to be upset about not having enough food. They're beginning to be upset about God not providing their need. They're beginning to doubt. And they go as far to say, but hell, they, all, they go back and they begin to say, and the, the, probably the worst thing that anyone could have said at this time after God's rescued them out of the land of Egypt and rescued them across the Red Sea, they say, would to God that we were back in Egypt. Now, what blows my mind is, I don't know what kind of Bible you're carrying tonight, but on the Schofield, the, the, that verse is right here, and the Red Sea experience, Brother Josh, is right there where it's orange. It's just one page across from God saving their life and freeing of their bondage, and now they're wishing that they were back in Egypt. And you read that verse, and you read the verses prior to that, and they begin to murmur, and I know what God is doing in their life, but so easily we fall into that 
Miss Janet, the exact same way, we begin to think about our life in the past. We begin to think about things that, that we used to have. Even we don't, we don't think about everything that was bad. We think about everything that was there and, and the easiness and maybe the ones that when you, when you were not living for Christ, young people, everybody accepted you or you fit in or maybe nobody made fun of you. But we begin to think back and we'll have misleading memories about the past. I thought about this quickly. Past memories, first of all, will remind you of the fun, but they'll never remind you of the famine. Well, Josh, I don't think in Exodus chapter number 16, as they begin to get hungry and think about, man, I wish we were just back at Egypt. They didn't think about the bondage and the shackles. And that day they were led down into Egypt and their family being separated and everything that, that Egypt had taken from them. They didn't think about that in their life because what will happen is Satan and ourselves will allow ourselves to leave the now and go back to the then. And we won't rem- we'll remember the fun and we'll remember the, the laughter. We'll remember the friendships and we'll think about all of that, but never the famine. You think about it in our New Testament, about the prodigal son coming home, and maybe, just maybe, after he got back home, we know the story. The father accepted him, and everything went back to normal. The brother was a little bit envious, and, but his family went on. We don't have any scripture about the days ahead. We don't have any scriptures about what he'd done the next week. But eventually, maybe, just maybe, it entered into his mind later in life. And remember, maybe he sees a friend from the far country before he lost everything and says, man, I remember the time we had with them. I remember the time that we'd done this. And I remember when, that, when I was popular and I had all that money. And I, maybe, just maybe, you look back in your scriptures and say, but Brandon, you don't have any proof he ever thought about it again. Well, he was human, and more than likely, it just takes me seeing one person or one thing in my life and maybe a life before ministry, Brother Evan, or a life before before a microscope or a life before this or a life before busyness and a life before all of that and we begin to think about man sometimes I wish you could go back and and relive that but we remember the fun but never the famine young people past memories will also they'll, they'll remind you of the protection but never the prison yes they had plenty to eat sitting by flesh pots and I don't know what a flesh pot is but I don't want to eat from one I mean, it don't sound like, it's like the melting pot where you go there and cook your food in front of yourself. They bring your food out raw and you cook it yourself. If I go to a restaurant and I pay for the food, I want them to cook it before it comes to me. I mean, Miss Christy eats sushi sometimes. And I just close my eyes and I want to move to a different table with a different couple because I don't want to see it. Maybe you like it, but I, I don't. I don't want it uncooked. Well, they say, man, I want to go back to the flesh pot and had plenty to eat, but they didn't realize that when they left that flesh pot and while, while, the, while the, the, the enemy could go back and do what they wanted to do, they couldn't just go back home and, and watch television or go back home and, and do something that they wanted to do. They were prisoners in the land of Egypt. They were there for bondage. They were there for work. They were there to make something. They were there to better the lives of the Egyptians. They were not there to better themselves. It was not a resort. It was not a sandals or a, or a beaches or some other or a prince resort. It was nothing like that. They remembered the good things. They remembered the protection and the food, but not the prison. You say, Brother Brandon, I can go back to times in my life, and many of you may be here tonight, and your times before salvation, and your times maybe after salvation, but I can remember the protection. I can remember not having to, a care in the world. I mean, I meet people every day. And I don't know how they, Brother George, I mean, it, it, it's kind of envious. I meet people every day, they don't, have, they don't have a job, they don't have a care in the world. And I'm thinking, how do you do it, Miss Savannah? I mean, how in the world? I mean, it's just like, they don't care. I mean, it's like they come in and, and what are you going to do? I don't know. They may walk up in the Appalachian Mountains for three weeks. They may go down here for three weeks and, and they just roam. And I'm thinking, wh- where do you roam to? And how do you, how do you sign up for that job? 
I mean, you th- that wasn't at a job fair when I was at Forbush. And I remember vividly looking back, and I remember who said it. They said it was a job of throwing chickens through airplane engines to see how much turbulence they could, they could stand. I never heard of a job throwing chickens through airplane engines, but that's got to be easier than selling tires to people. But I, I think about it in my life, you th- you, it's, it's easy to look back and think about the protection of the world and think about your knees being met and not having a care in the world, not worried about getting to church on Wednesday, not worried about getting to church on Sunday, not worrying about what everybody else is thinking or living a Christian life or having a testimony or guarding a testimony, but we don't remember the prison of sin's prison. Not only will past memories remind you of the fun, but never the famine. They'll, they'll remind you of the protect. They won't, they'll remind you of the protection, but not the prison. But thirdly, they'll remind you of the simplicity. We just said this, but not the sacrifice. Man, when they were in Egypt, they got up every day with the herald. They ate. They fed them by the flesh pots. They went to work. They went to bed. The next day, they got up. They ate. They went to work for the Egyptians. They came home. They went to bed. Pretty simple life. You just do the same thing over again. Maybe some of you can work at a factory. I, I tried that for a short period of time after my, my senior year. And Miss Pam was all at Unify every night. And they said, put this roll of yarn on this one or these tubes on this one and this color tubes on the other one. Well, at 1 o'clock, all the tubes look the same to me. I don't know what nobody's going. The buzzer's going off. I'm ready to eat supper and a, and a barrel of, of yarn. I'm ready to go home. It wasn't for me. It wasn't what I could do. You say, but the brand, I just want to do the same thing every day. I remember the simplicity of my life back before I surrendered to call. I remember the simplicity before I started helping on the vans and before everything happened in my life. It was just simple. I just came and I went home and everything was the same. Can I tell you, it's often been said, Miss, Brother Mitchell Church, actually Miss Caitlin's one that said this. He said Sunday is called the day of rest. But if you're active in your church, you work harder on Sunday than you do any other day of the week. And I said, Brother Mitchell, you're right. You're involved in van ministry and you're chasing youngins or you're cleaning or you're shaking hands at the back. And I mean, if anybody in this church gets sick, it'll be Brother Jamie. He shakes every one of us hand regardless. He's not, he don't have gloves on back there and maybe he's got alcohol in his pockets. I don't know. But man, it's just you work and you work in the sound room and you run and you, you get done. And all of us in this church, and I'm, I'm thankful for you. But can I tell you, simplicity sometimes will take us back to a life and we don't have to worry about none of that. When our life was just come, sit down, be fed, leave. But it never reminds us of the sacrifice that cost us. It never does. Getting off this, this first side of this message and talking about the past and the then, what we're dealing with now. Those memories, they'll blind you. They'll, they'll make you see what you want to see and not see what you don't, what you should see. For the herald, they'll blind us. Then I thought about this. Not only will they blind you, they'll bound you. I heard, uh, where's Miss Mary? Miss Mary's in here tonight. She loved Brother Leonard. I listened to Brother Leonard this morning, and I've been listening to the services. And he talked about 25 years ago, Brother Allen, and only Brother Leonard could preach how, you, how a, a tube of toothpaste goes out and can't come back in. He's just got an art of teaching that, a fly on the wall or a bug on the windshield or something like that. But he said this morning, he preached one time on Lazarus. He said it was a missionary that came back in 25 years later and still remembered this. He said Lazarus is a lot like church members that day. They got out. He said that that he was, he was alive, but he was still wrapped up in those grave clothes. So he was alive, but he still looked dead. He said, many of our church members on Sunday are alive, but they still look dead. He said, but then, he said, could you imagine the local news coming down and asking Lazarus? He's still bound up and talking about binding you in the past and the sin binding you. But, but Brother Harold, he said, he, Lazarus, how does it feel to be alive? And all he could say was, 
Why? Because he was bound. But they said when they began to take that stuff off of Lazarus and they got his mouth open, then all of a sudden he said, I'd like to thank the Lord that, that I'm alive. Then they got to his hands and maybe he shot his hands up near and said, I'd like to thank the Lord. He said, listen, sometimes we come to church, all we're needing God to do is start to undo the grave clothes. Because I tell you, if you're saved, we're no longer dead. We're no longer part of the then. We're part of the now. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live, it is a new life. It is a free life. But if we're not careful, the then will rob us of that. It'll bind you. It'll blind you. It'll bound you. It'll bury you. You realize, Brother Harold, everybody that's in this text would die in the wilderness. Their children, some of their children would get to go in, but everybody, that first generation that, that murmured, that doubted, that didn't believe God, they died in the wilderness. And you say, Brother Brandon, what did they miss out on? Man, they missed out on the blessings of God. God didn't design a wilderness for these people. He designed them to come out and to go into the land of Canaan and to conquer. But, man, it'll bury you. It'll also burn you. You say, Brother Brandon, what do you mean burn you? Maybe not physically, but there have been a lot of bridges that I've burnt in my life, Brother Allen, because I was stuck in the past. And the past will rob you long enough, you'll never be able to cross those bridges into what God has for you. But that's enough about the then, because we're not preaching on the then. But Galatians 2 and 20 tonight, quickly, Galatians 2 and 20 teaches us that we can live in the now. The Bible says again, look at your verse, Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But the Herald Galatians 2 and 20 tells me that though in my mind I may go back personally and think about the thens and think about the things that's robbed me of years of my life. And maybe you're tonight even there thinking as I'm preaching this of some things in your life that you're not proud of. But if you're not careful, it only takes one lyric. I guarantee you, and I'm not going to do this. I heard Brother Tony Hudson do it the other night during church, and I'm not going to do this for the sake of embarrassing myself, but he started calling out some lyrics from the pulpit. He said, half the church acts like they ain't know what that song was. He said, but I know every one of you know what that song was. He said, we're from the same group of the mountains, same Tennessee, but I could, I could think about things that I've heard, Brother Allen, forever ago in my life, or even on a commercial and the power of music, which is why we preach against music and, and the right music. You can hear something and immediately you know exactly where the song is, or the lyrics. You know exactly. It takes you back to a place in your life we should have never been because the then will always rob you in the now. We've got to conquer it. But the now. We now, think about in our life, we now have also things. It's not bondage and burning and burying, but we think about the new life that we have. But then we have hope. We have joy. We have peace. We have a future because of the now. Now, many of us, and I've said this, and I know it's a little bit different for me, but maybe I could have made an encouragement to somebody that, that was saved later in life. Say, for instance, Brother Evan, that I was lost tonight, and I, I was not preaching, and I came forward tonight. I'm 34 years old. Brother Evan, I came to the floor of the altar. Brother Evan led me to the Lord, and I feel like he would tonight if I needed him to. It would kind of be awkward right now where I am, but if, he, if I needed him to, then, then he wouldn't. By the way, I don't care if I was a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or whatever. If I didn't know tonight, I'd get saved because what you think of me is not going to matter when I stand before God. But I am saved tonight, but for the, except for the not wanting to embarrass anybody else, Brother Evan leads me to the Lord, and maybe a few weeks from now, Brother Brian preaches a message on then and now. 
And I begin to think back, uh, maybe it's been a month or a year, maybe even 30 years, and I've been saved now for some time. And, man, a preacher gets to preaching on sin, and I'm sitting there, Brother Harold, and I think about, man, you know, when I was 20 years old, I did this. Or when I was 25 years old, I did that. Or when I remember looking at this or saying this or partaking of this, and I go to the altar under conviction, which I believe you ought to do regularly in your life just to make sure everything's good. Go confess things you ain't ever done. It'll help you still. But I think about my life. I come down to the altar, and Brother Evan comes back to me and I say man I need to ask God to forgive me of this I need to ask God's forgiveness for this and we're praying to a God that knows everything but brother Josh at that moment the Lord almost audibly could tell me I have no clue what you're talking about because after salvation we have a new life and the Bible says as far as the east is from the west he has forgot our transgressions now, how can a God that knows everything, Miss Vicky, forget about something that I've done? I can't fathom that, but that is the grace of God. And many of us will never, this is the pierce of the whole message. If you don't get anything else, get this. Many of us will never get to the next level in our Christian life because we're worried about what we've done that God's already forgiven us for, yet we can't forgive ourselves for. The then and the now. Man, there's people that could change the world, and not only as, as preachers and teachers, as soul winners, as, as singers, as testimonies, as church members, but they sit there, and, and I'm not preaching, I don't know anybody's lights, and none of those you've told me, but we sit there and we think, man, I can't do anything for the Lord because of something I've done in my life. Maybe young people, you go home and say, Brother Brand, I've already messed up. I'm 12, 13, 14 years old, and I've already partaken of something I shouldn't have. I've already inhaled something I shouldn't have. I, my family's not perfect, and God can't use me. Can I tell you, as long as you think like that, as long as you let the Satan rob you of your joy and you're living in the then, you'll never experience the now. You'll never experience what God's going to give you. See, Brother Brandon, I, I, my past is, is damaged and I, and I want out of it. Can I tell you, God's telling me tonight in Galatians 2 and 20, the life that I now live, start living a new life, forget the old life and move on with it. Move on with it. Brother Brandon, there's, te there's testimonies of people, maybe even Brother Josh that I know personally, that they, if they would just open their mouth, and brag on the Lord how many lives would be changed. How many families would be spared. How many, you say, Brother Brandon, it's, it's embarrassing. And I, I told you, and there's sometimes I may turn red-faced, and I'm transparent with them a lot more than I am with the church or even my family, Brother Rodney. But I think about things in my life, and I may not have ever done anything gross or a gross sin. As far as I know, I've never murdered anybody. If I have, I don't know that I did, but they were downrange deer hunting. It wasn't my fault. But either way, I've never, I've never purposely shot anybody, but I've done things in my life. And when I get around certain people, instead of being vocal about the Lord, I may, I may silence myself because they know something about me that that was in my past and I say man I, I can't witness to that person I, I can't witness to this crowd that was there with them and I, I done what they did and I was there and I've listened to what they've listened to but can I tell you if God saved you by the marvelous grace of God we need to live in the now so that we can change somebody else's life that's what Galatians 2 and 20 says well, Josh, I was thinking about today, and I know my family's here and others, but, I mean, everybody's family's got, got branches that's broke in their family. You say, Brother Brandon, my family's an embarrassment. Well, join the crowd. I mean, Rodney's not an embarrassment. I don't know about Penny, but I'm just saying, no, I'm just kidding. But, but I think about it in our, in our life. Man, all of us, you say, Brother Brandon, my family's not perfect. Join the crowd. None of our families are perfect. You don't have to go back far to realize that. But let me tell you, you say, Brother Brandon, I, I can't, Brother Josh, I thought about this today with, with your kids. And I know Miss Fortland, and I, and I don't remember, I mean, I remember growing up together, and I know our families are, are, are combined with Tyler and Wendy, but I've got two nieces and two boys that are not perfect. And you've got little boys and little girls that's related to me, and this is all they're ever going to know. I've got two nieces at church, is all they're ever going to know. 
But i got two boys that I want them to know church is all they're ever going to know. Why is that? Because we have a now. Because God got a hold of our family many years ago. Maybe you're a first-generation Christian. Maybe you're the first one in your life. Say, Brother Brandon, my parents don't come to church. And my, my grandparents didn't raise me in church. Will you be the one to live in the now so we can get past the then? Brother Brandon, people know who my family is. People know something about me. I can't, I can't go to church. I'm the only one that goes to church. And I tell you, every Sunday morning, get up. Put your collared shirt on. Put your T-shirt on. Put your blue jeans on. Put your whatever. Just come to church because you're making a difference whether you realize you are or not or now. The now. Then and now. Galatians 2 and 20, if we could ever get it. And can I tell you, to be honest with you, this sometimes in my life, Brother Josh, where I feel like I can't do something, I can't be effective because of something in my life. It may not be an awful sin, but maybe it's just something. Maybe it could be as simple as Brother Evan saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not adequate to do that. I'll give you a funny. Many of you, a couple years ago, and I'm wrapping this up, it's only 15 to 8. They're going to love me tonight, and Brother Brian's going, he's going to dock my pay. He said, you didn't go long enough. And he gets back Sunday, I'm going to say, man, they hate you. You went way too long. I was way too short. But uh, I think about, where was I going with that? I don't know either. But I thought about in my in my life, it'll come back to me in a minute, thinking about things in my life and and and, and thens and the nows and things that we do in Galatians 2 and 20. Man, it teaches us that that we can live in the now. It teaches us that we don't have to worry about the things in the past because of what we have. We have more. I love Andrew and Mary Beth Rochester. Y'all know that. They're coming to sing with us again this December. But remember the Allen were talking the other night, and they've got a song on there simply called More. Talks about at salvation, we had no clue, Brother Josh, what we were getting. When I was eight years old and I bowed my knee, I had no clue what salvation would unlock in my life. I had no clue the goodness of God. And the song says, and the, the author, and what blessed my heart today was in Galatians 2 and 20, it was telling me when I got saved and gave Christ my heart, I got so much more than I thought I was going to get. I got abundantly more, Brother Dalton, than I thought I was going to get in my life. You know, when I got saved, the Bible didn't say, you know, if the preacher had, maybe I need to start saying it like this. You know what? Maybe I need to start selling it like insurance, Brother George. If you get saved and, and you start coming to church and you honor Christ, God's going to put the one in your life you should marry. God's going to give you kids. You're going to raise your family in church. He's going to give you a good job. He's going to take care of your needs. If you'll put him first, he'll always give you more than enough. Maybe if you present everything that's good that comes with salvation, maybe more people will get saved. But can I tell you, it didn't always happen like that. It's just by faith. Salvation's enough. But we serve a God that's big enough not only to give us salvation, but the Herald, he gives us everything else that we need. He gives us smiling faces. He gives us families. Brother James, he gives us sons that's serving in Virginia. He gives us daughters that's serving in other churches. And he gives us sons, and our kids are not perfect, and you know that. But I'm saying, regardless of the fact, if you live in the now, man, God will give you so much more than in the then. You can read all the way through this, but that verse now, I had no clue what I was getting, but he gives me more. But tonight, the point I'm trying to get across is this. Maybe, just maybe tonight, say, Brother Brandon, I feel like it. Maybe you say, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you have a good way of, of hiding it. Or maybe, maybe you, you, your face always smiles and nobody knows anything's wrong in your life. But can I tell you, you're robbing yourself. And I'm robbing myself. There's times I go back and I, brother, oh, I know exactly what I was going to say a while ago. Thank you, Lord. Came back to me. A few years, about this year, I, I sent out a text message, I guess a couple of winters ago. I said, how many of you would like to be to go to a marriage conference. I mean, I know all of you marriages need help as much as mine do. I said, well, what, would y'all like to go to the beach? Same place we go to the Winter Challenge. And I got about 30 families that, had, uh, that came back. I started talking to Brother Brown about it. Me and Solid Rock was involved. And, 
And at first that I said, you know what? I said, Brother Steve Pope would be a good one to preach it. I mean, him and his wife, again, they're like the perfect couple. He treats her like a queen, and I don't know what she does for him. But he treats her like a queen, and everything, they're always smiling. And Brother Brian said this. He's my pastor, and he has the authority, and he has wisdom. He said, we, can, we'll do a, we'll, we will host a marriage retreat if you'll be the one to preach it. And I said, well, there goes that. So... I said, because they ain't nobody going to listen to me about marriage. So maybe one day we'll have one. But Brother Brian said, I feel in my heart, if you're going to do it, you need to be the one to preach it. And I'm thinking, well, I know Christy loves me, but I don't know if we can fake it in front of everybody that our life's perfect and that we got everything figured out and tell it. No, I don't know. Sometimes you feel inadequate. My first message, God called me to preach on a, I don't know what night it was, Christy. It was in Revival, but a Wednesday. Either way, it had to have been, so I don't know. Either way, Brother Brian called me the next day. Brother Brian Poindexter, he said, you're going to preach for me the next service we have in Mount Sinai. Of course, man, I thought I had the world figured out. I mean, I just got to go to preach. I know everything. We're good. I said, I'll go preach. Well, then my dad said, you're not preaching for him first. You're preaching for me first. I had to preach a message, I think, the next day at Glory Light. But I got to Brother Brian's. I never been, I've been, never been up there. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere. Y'all been up there to sing. I mean, the, the bus has turned turn signals on going through them curves to get up there. We got up there to preach. I had no clue. I had no clue what was in the church. I had no clue the age bracket. Nothing. I had a message on wisdom on that Wednesday night, and everybody in the church was 60-plus. I said, man, this is going to go great. And I don't remember if they booed me or they laughed. They had to lie because I think I had them tell me I did a good job, and I know that I didn't. But I said, you say, Ben, brother, brother, I felt about that small. Can I tell you, it may be funny things like that, and maybe it's something that God teaches you, and I've learned a lot from then till now. But can I tell you this? Whenever we get to a point in our life, right before you step up to do something, Ms. Caitlin, right before you help a child, right before you stand up to Sunday school, right before you get ready to do something, there'll always be a small voice in your head that says, you're not adequate, or you're not good enough, or you're not, you don't need to be the one that's doing this because you've not arrived, and I remember what you was. Can I tell you, the murderer today could get saved, and God would forget his sins, but there's still consequences, and I know there's consequences for sin, but if I could encourage you in one thing today, I wonder what God would do with your life in 2024 if you could pray for the next couple months to get over the then and start living Galatians 2.20 when it says the life that I now have. We all have a past. We all have a then. But can I tell you, we all have a now in our life. And it is very, very important to make sure that we understand that. God's given us so much more. Maybe everybody here has got this conquered. Maybe it's just me. But there's still daily, daily times, Brother Harold, that I think about something in the past, I see something from the past. I do something that hinders me. But I want to go back to Galatians 2 and 20 every morning of my life, just like reading a Proverbs a day, and say, you know what? I'm living a life that I now have. Miss Savannah's coming to the piano. I live a life that I now have. It's new. It's, it's new. I can't, Miss Jane, I can't affect teenagers if I'm hung up in the, in the then. I can't. I can't think about, and I think about others like Brother Nate White's testimony and other testimonies of people that of that's lived through things and, and seen things happen in their life, and, and they're changing the world because they, they've got to the point where they're, they're done dealing with the then. Brother Brandon, my parents embarrass me. I'm not telling you to disown your parents. The Bible says honor thy mother and father all the days of thy life, and I understand that. I'm not saying disown them. I'm just saying simply this. If you're going to do something for God, you're going to have to get it through the whole thing. Everything in our life is mental. Everything we battle it's not, a, it's not a huge deal. It's a mental deal. And we deal in our heart every day on getting stuck in the then. So I'm preaching tonight as she begins to play on that thought then and now. Maybe tonight you said, Brother Brandon, everything's good in my life. Everything's perfect in my life. I never doubt with it. Can I tell you, I, I very seriously doubt that something doesn't cross your mind at some point 
that hinders you from living for God. Can I tell you tonight, if you don't get anything else, I've already said that, but get this. Just tell the devil he's a loser. Live in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live. Then how much happier would you be if you just realized I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I've messed up, but God's given me a new life. God's given me another chance. And if God can give you another chance, I think you can give another chance to yourself tonight as well. We're all standing. We're, we're, she's singing just a moment. We're going to go home. Guys, listen, you say, Brother Brandon, I don't need to come to the altar, and you may not. But can I tell you, in your life, I don't know what you're battling. Brother Brandon, everybody that goes to church with me knows about my past. Everybody knows everything about me. They know everything that I've done. They know everything about me. Can I tell you, it don't matter what they know. It don't matter what they think. If you've made things right with God, you've got saved, you've moved on. Can I tell you, live in victory. Live in Galatians 2 and 20. Move on. It's not a license to sin, but it'll sure give you freedom. It'll sure give you peace. It'll sure give you joy in your life. The life that I now live, I'm thankful I have a then. I'm thankful I have a now. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.